0: Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. We're pleased to be joined by marriage counsellor and family expert Derek Boylan for what we are calling the Focus Sessions, aimed at helping families with relationship issues. Together with Derek, over a number of these sessions, we will explore the most pressing issues facing families today. We hope you enjoy and find this series valuable. Derek we're talking about parenting tips today now there'll be a lot of couples out there who will be very interested in this one Uh, people who have children will attest just how difficult parenting can be it doesn't come with a hand manual as we know and most of us just stumble around in the dark at times I know I certainly did Uh, you have eight children raising children is a work in progress you would agree it can be rather difficult Oh gosh, yes! <laughs> parenting is one of the most
1: difficult endeavors I think that anyone can embark on. Uh, it's also one of the most rewarding endeavors that anyone can embark on. But uh, but certainly, I think there's a you know there's a truism about uh, everything that's really worthwhile in life is uphill, and uh, and certainly I think parenting is probably one of the most difficult uh, uh, adventures that any two people
0: can embark on. Yes, ex- exactly. So let's put it out there. There's no perfect way to parent children, and sometimes we adults do get it wrong. Absolutely. You know, there definitely is not a perfect way to
1: parent. I think often we sort of would like to think that there's a a magical silver bullet, um, but that's just not the case. And certainly, um, you know, there are better ways and worse ways uh, to parent children, but there's no perfect way to parent a child. Uh, I often sort of think about Karen and I and our own upbringings in my family. You know, when you're a little kid in primary school and you used to get your report card and and had those sort of two columns there, one was your achievement column and one was your effort column or how much effort you'd put in. And, and I grew up in a family where dad only ever looked at the effort column. You know, he didn't, you know, as long as you tried your best, that was the most important thing, which sounds terrific. It sounds wonderful to have a dad who has that perspective, except that, you know, in the real world, in life, you know, they don't. Always value your effort. They want you to sell widgets. You know, you've got to get on and achieve yeah, yeah. the job that you're being paid yeah. to achieve. And and uh, and so sometimes it's uh, it's not a not in itself the best way to parent. But Karen grew up in a family where her dad only ever looked at the achievement column. What do you mean you didn't get A's? You know, what what do you, what could you be doing better? And which is a great um, preparation for the demands of real life. But often you can feel really unloved and unsupported. Like you know, I tried my hardest here, and that wasn't enough. Um, so it's uh it's almost impossible to get a perfect way of doing things, and I think that's because every child is unique. They're a unique human being, and just like we you know we like our own unique, individually respected and valued and taken into consideration, you know we're going to need to do that for our children too and recognize that they're constantly changing and, and growing.
0: Yeah, no, exactly, and it is a fine line sometimes between pressuring your children. you don't want to pressure them, but you certainly want to encourage them as much as possible. And uh, Mm -hmm. I look at my upbringing and, uh, I mean, Dad, terrific father, but he didn't really say boo (laughs) half the time. I can't remember him ever commenting on any of my report cards. It was Mum who sort of uh, sat me down and said, now you probably can do a little bit better in maths. And, you know, that was after getting an E for maths. And I said, no, Mm -hmm. you're probably right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, the
1: level of involvement of parents at different stages as children grow up changes, uh, you know, I mean, parents and people as well, and they have their unique differences. But a lot of dads often don't engage a huge amount in the parenting of their children until their child reaches around about the the age of two, is what the research tells us. Because up until that point, it, it, I feel like they can't teach their child anything, you know. But suddenly at two, they can talk, and I can teach them cool things, and uh, <laughs> and they dads start to become a little bit more involved, uh, typically, at about that
0: age in the parenting of their children. But uh, every person's unique in the way that they're going to parent. Yeah, no, that's right. Derek, do parents need to change and become more flexible as their children grow? Is that a good thing? Absolutely it is. Um, Children
1: are constantly changing and growing and they're they're in a rapid period of change and growth, particularly in those uh, zero to six years and then, of course, also through the teen years, we know as well. Um, And just because something happens to work now in our relationship with them and parenting them, it doesn't mean that it's going to work in the future. Uh, because their needs are going to change. Their abilities are, are constantly changing. And so we have to constantly adapt our parenting as they are growing and changing as well. And I think that that's one of the hardest things for, for parents. We're often looking for the solution, but even if we find the solution, it's only the solution for now. <laughs> and there's no guarantee yeah. that four weeks or six months or two years from now
0: that that is still going to be the thing that works. No, fair enough, too. Uh, Derek, what does the latest research say about healthy parent-child relationships? Look, there's lots and lots of research out there, and I really encourage um,
1: couples, families, parents to sort of, you know, find out what works for them. But uh, I'm a particular fan of David Olson's research, and uh, he's based in the in the US. And one of the things that he highlights is two really important qualities for healthy families. And what he notices is in healthy families they have what he refers to as connectedness. And they also have what he refers to as flexibility. And, uh, and so by connectedness, uh, he means that they, are, they have a sense of, you know, an involvement in one another's lives and, uh, and a concern about what's happening in each other's lives and, uh, and a longing to be inside of one another's lives. But it's important to think of connectedness as a spectrum, you know, so at one end of the spectrum, you've got, um, you know, overly connected families. And at the other end of the spectrum, you've got disconnected families. And the other thing he talks about is flexibility. And so flexibility is the is the capacity for families to bounce back from adversity. That all families at different times experience challenges either from outside of the family or even within the family relationships. And uh and our capacity to be flexible enables us to bounce back from those things. When 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 anything becomes too rigid, when it's put under pressure it, it breaks. And so you know, families need a level of flexibility, but again, flexibility is like a spectrum. You've got some families who are very inflexible uh, in the way that they work, and then you've got other families that are overly flexible in the way that they uh, that they work as a family, and so that also exists on a spectrum too.
0: Fair enough. Now it's a bit of a mouthful, so I'll try and get it out. To you. you've, you've, you've mentioned it a little bit there. Tell me more about the spectrum: inflexible, overly flexible, and disconnected. Overly connected. What does that all mean? It's, it's doing my head in, I think. Sure, yeah. So when we talk about a, for instance, a connected family,
1: you know, as I said, it's a, it's a sort of a spectrum. There are families that are more connected and less connected. And, uh, and being at either end of the spectrum comes with sort of advantages and disadvantages, you know, in, a, in an overly connected family. Everyone uh, knows what's going on for everybody else in the family all of the time. And, uh, and so in that sort of family, you can certainly feel very seen and uh, valued and appreciated and people care about what's going on. But at the same time, in an overly connected family, you can sometimes feel smothered that I, there's no capacity for me to be able to be my own individual person and to make my own individual choices. Everyone's perfectly happy to tell me exactly what to do and how to live my life. Uh, at the same time, in a very disconnected family, you can sometimes feel very lonely, you know, that no one really cares if I'm around or what happens to me. But at the same time, the strength there is that you have a lot of independence to be able to be who you want to be and do your own thing. And and I, said, I guess a similar thing happens with the flexibility spectrum, that in an inflexible family, it's typically governed by a lot of rules. And the strength There is that we always know exactly where we stand and what sort of behavior is expected in every situation. But I guess inflexible families don't respond to individual uniqueness, you know, that uh, are in in unique situations that maybe require a different kind of a, a rule or a way of being. And in overly flexible families, the strength is that we can do anything that we want on any day of the week, any way that we like to do it. But at the same time, there's no certainty. You know, we don't know really where we stand or where we stand in relationship to other people and, and how things are, what's expected of me in certain situations. So they are sort of spectrums. And uh, what I like about David Olson's research is he really highlights that, you know, that we do need, um, we need connectedness and it needs to be in a way where we feel supported and loved. And at the same time, where we can discover who we are and develop our own autonomy and, and strength as an individual person. And we need families where there are certain rules and boundaries, you know, that's a part of life and uh, and it means that we can have expectations about people's behaviour and feel safe. And at the same time, we need to be able to respond to unique individual differences and unique situations and to be able to be flexible when
0: we're faced with challenges that are unexpected. I think that's very well explained. And connectedness, I mean, we are, as human beings, we need to be connected to other human beings. And I think that's why some people in uh, Melbourne during the pandemic have uh, struggled. Because of the severe restrictions, so that connectedness has not been there for a lot of people. I think that's a really important point, um, David. We are, we're made for other people and other people are
1: made for us uh, and for relationships. And uh, there's a lovely quote from uh, Aristotle and he, uh, and uh, one of the leading uh, neurologists in the world at the moment, he often sort of quotes this quote from Aristotle as well, David, uh, Daniel Segal. He does a lot of work in uh, the neurodevelopment of um, teenagers and young adults. But he says, uh, and Aristotle said, you know, there's no such thing as a baby. You know, there's only a baby and its mother that we come into the world and we can't survive on our own. We need other people and we discover who we are and we become who we are in relationship to other people. And, uh, and that, that's what leads to meaningful, fulfilling relationships. Is, uh,
0: and, and a life is to be in meaningful relationships with others. No, exactly right. Derek, is love one of the or the most important ingredient in raising children well? It sure is. You know, we are made for love.
1: You know, we're made to love others and to be loved by others. And I think what, it's one of the reasons uh, why I like these qualities of, of connectedness and uh, and flexibility is that they really speak of a way to love. I think we're all growing up, you know, longing for the experience of loving relationships, but we don't always grow up with the means or the skills or the experience to to know how to achieve them, how to actually make that come into reality. And I think, you know, David Olson is highlighting the way that we do that. You know, the way we do it is by being interested in other people's lives, by giving them the, the scope to be able to, to grow and become who they are, by, you know, having expectations so that we don't hurt one another and we create safety in our relationships, and, and also by being able to recognise that we're unique individuals who, um, you know, sometimes need unique responses. To different situations, and I think that um, you know that idea, these concepts give us a way to actually know how to love
0: in our families. Fair enough, too. Um, we all need boundaries, but children, especially uh, in their younger years, need boundaries. You would agree that uh, boundaries are vitally important, especially for younger children. Boundaries are very
1: important, and understanding boundaries is is really important for children. It's healthy for children at a very early age. Um, but also, you know, we live in a world that has boundaries it's about preparing them to be a good citizen as well you know we can't just do whatever we want whenever we feel like um that we uh that we live in a world where you know we agree to boundaries because those boundaries protect people Um, you know we stop at stop signs and red lights and we drive at the speed limit and uh and you know there are there are always going to be expectations on us because we live in relationship and we Need other people, and they need us. you know none of us can survive without others in our lives they they're the people who prepare our food and you know run our shops and service stations and fix our roads and and uh and they also need us, you know, so I guess uh having boundaries and having children understand the importance of boundaries at a very early age is important, but I think also you know those boundaries are changing throughout life as well, you know, so an important skill for children to learn at an early age and this is where boundaries having it at boundaries at an early age helps is actually for them to develop the skills for negotiating rules for negotiating boundaries you know it might be seven o'clock bedtime for the six-year-old but you know when they turn 16 they don't want to be going to bed at seven o'clock anymore and at some point there has to be a a negotiation of those boundaries you know dad you know everyone else at school gets to stay up till nine o'clock you know why can't i stay up till nine o'clock and and, and that's a really important skill as well that they're going to need with their future bosses and work colleagues and uh, business partners and all of those sorts of things, they're going to need those skills for establishing appropriate boundaries and, and rules and negotiating those things as those relationships change and develop. So I think it's really, really healthy for children to have boundaries. And also children feel safe when there are clear boundaries. You know, we uh, they feel that, you know, that they understand what's expected of them and and how to sort of meet
0: people's expectations
1: when there's their boundaries
0: true and uh, with boundaries sometimes uh, unfortunately people transgress and that brings in the discipline side of things uh discipline is an important part though of raising children Uh, i imagine some parents they would find the discipline side difficult i must admit i did when my kids were quite young yeah i think it's probably one of the hardest things and uh I often hear
1: uh, couples who something. Oh, I would really love to have another baby. And I think, yeah, do you want another teenager? <laughs> do you want another toddler? <laughs> um, because uh, because we, we sort of like we think of having children and we think of oh, this little cute bundle of joy and, uh, and then we embark on a lifelong journey of uh, trying to get them to clean their rooms and changing their nappies and dealing with their tantrums and, and all of those sorts of things. And it's probably one of the most challenging, frustrating, difficult things about being a parent. And, uh, but I think there are some things that can, can help with that. Uh, Certainly, um, you know, two of the skills that Karen and I have come to to value a lot with our children when it comes to discipline uh, that are core sort of principles that we use. And I think one of the things about parenting is, and discipline is that we need to look towards adopting principles for our disciplining. You know, if we just sort of try to look at the circumstances, the situation and what's happened. You know, there's constantly new circumstances as our children get old and as the world changes. You know, I think in my childhood, my mum and dad never had to deal with me on screens. You know, it was, there was a television and they turned it off and that was it. You know, whereas, you know, in our house, there are, you know, iPads and there's smartphones and there's computers and there's televisions and yeah. trying to monitor and, uh, and their use of those technologies. And so I guess there's lots of things changing. Our world's changing. Our children are changing. And, uh, and so the, I guess what's really healthy when it comes and recognising that our disciplining is going to have to change as they grow, then we need to be guided by principles that will help us to be able to identify what's really important in our response to our child in this situation. And two principles that we've found that really are helpful. The first is, is looking for the virtue that was missing. You know, that often when things go wrong, come awry in our family or our children don't behave themselves, it's because there's a virtue that they should have been practicing that they weren't. You know, that, this, that if they'd practiced that virtue, this wouldn't have happened, right? If they'd used more self-control or if they'd used more patience or if they'd used more gentleness or if they'd used more prudence, like you know, that this situation would never have occurred. And so we always sort of feel that the natural consequence should not just, shouldn't really be a punishment as such, but actually an opportunity to grow in that virtue. You know, that, look, you know, if you'd use a bit more patience here, buddy, uh, this probably wouldn't have happened. So I think we're going to have to um, work on patience for you (laughs) so that you can become a more patient person so that this won't occur the next time it happens. They're looking for the virtue that was missing and growing that skill within them so that they're better able to manage. I guess the second principle that that we always have in our family um, and really comes to our family through Karen. I think Karen had a real wisdom around this was that relationships come before everything else. You know, relationships uh, in our family with one another come before remote controls, before you know computer game consoles, before time on the iPad, before trampolines. You know, any of those sorts of things. That it's the relationships that are the most important thing. And so, um, and so it sort of influences our parenting in a number of ways. I'll give you a couple of examples. One is when we give our children time out. So we'll use time out often. Often, when people use time out, they have the time out mat or they'll have the time out in a room or whatever you know where a child's expected to sort of sit i always do time out right next to me you know i sort of say all right i think you need a bit of time out here um buddy and uh come and sit here right next to me while i'm doing the dishes or while i'm you know doing some work because it's a consequence they experience it as you know now i'm gonna time out and you know I can, you, know, such and such. you know if you didn't have done this i wouldn't have had to be in timeout. yeah but I don't want them to experience timeout as being sent away from us. I actually want to bring them closer to me. And what I find happens typically is, you know, if I'm doing the dishes and I say, all right, buddy, I think you need some timeout, come sit here next to Dan while I'm doing the dishes, is that they'll salt for about 30 seconds and then they'll ask me about something about my day or they'll ask me a question about something. And then we end up having a conversation and then they, and then they end up picking up the, tea towel because they want to finish the conversation with dad and they start to you know um dry the dishes with me and we have a really good conversation and we have built a relationship you know the the consequence has actually been an opportunity not to experience being pushed away or to encounter shame but rather we make mistakes but you know when we do that we call one another closer because we want to heal that and and the relationships are going to be the things that uh that are going to help us to navigate you know these difficult things in the future Another example would be if our children are fighting over something, um, you know, I always used to say to my children, you know, listen, you guys, you know, your relationship with one another as, uh, as a brother and a sister is far more important to me than who gets to watch TV. So what I'd like to see is for the two of you to work on your relationship. So go and sit on the couch over there and, uh, and don't get up until you've worked out how to be really, you know, best friends again off they go, and they sit on the couch and uh, but what it typically does is it, you know generally I think in families, whoever is the oldest and the strongest can dominate and get what they want, um, you know, just by sheer force of power and uh, And when I use that as a consequence, what it does is it flips that on its head because what happens is the older one wants to get back to the TV, so they go, "All right, you know, I'm friends, we're friends, and the younger one goes, "Nup." Nope. <laughs> I'm not going to be friends with you. No. And so now the older one has to practice a new skill for negotiating and model to the younger one a way of talking and a way of communicating that's going to bring about the relationship that gets them off the couch and back to what it is that they wanted to, to do. Um, typically, usually what happens to our kids after a while is they realise that, you know, well, we'll just tell dad we're friends and then we can get off the couch and we don't have to sit next to each other. and uh, and i have this experience where uh, they go all right we're we're friends and i'm like really you don't look like you're friends to me you look like you're kind of still enemies and that you're just saying that you're friends but but you know what you know what would convince me that you two are friends is if you two could go and work as a team to clear off the dining room table i would i would be certain that you guys are (laughs) Friends, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. just want us to clean the dining room table, and I'm like, Well, yeah. actually, it is your dishes on the dining room table, so yes, I would like you to do that. Um, but usually, by the time they've finished actually doing the dishes and that sort of stuff, they are actually working as a team. They've worked out, they've let go of their irritation with one another, and they've kind of worked out, All right, well, how about you use the console first, and then I'll use it after you're finished. And, and they've worked out a way to have a relationship with one another, which to me is far more important than anything else you know absolutely um so yeah i think you know looking for ways to sort of serve the relationship that's the most important thing and that's what's going to bring about their future skills to be able to manage
0: them. yeah no that's very clever i wish i would thought about that when uh tom and lauren were young <laughs> might have saved a few fights <laughs> but anyway uh it's long in the past now they're in their 20s so uh, and they're good mm. friends which is great um and patience yeah. is a virtue you're quite right that uh, derek it's uh, Especially when the children are really young and they can't, they don't have the skills to tell you exactly what they're feeling. All they want to do is scream Mm. at you and you've got to remain calm. It's not easy. It is really hard. Yeah, I kind of think, and and I sort of think, you know, when I realise that
1: sometimes it's really hard for me to manage my own emotions, what sort of expectation can I have of a six year old? You know, I'm a grown adult man with several decades of experience at managing my feelings and I still struggle at times. Like, you know, I probably should be more patient with my children as they're trying to work it out for themselves.
0: Yeah, well, you never stop learning. None of us do. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, now, Derek, ch- children are one of the most joyous results of a happy union, as we've discussed, when they're not fighting, of course, uh, happy union between two people. Would you agree they can tighten the bond between couples? Yeah, they can. And there's interesting research around this. Um, there was a beautiful article
1: that sort of really pulled all the research together uh, printed in the New York Times a number of years ago and uh and I guess it's depends on how you look at happiness, how you define happiness you know in this article um the i can 't remember the name of the woman who was the author, but she pulled together all the research on what happens to a couple 's happiness once children come along and uh, and the research is pretty dismal i mean almost all the research says that when children come along. It, it couples their happiness declines right you know suddenly they have yeah. got sleepless nights they often go down to one income they're trying to manage everything and it's, it's really hard and really difficult and by the time you got about halfway through this article you sort of started wondering why would anybody have children like it seems so hard and so difficult <laughs> yeah but um but then she picked up on something really quite interesting a new research around happiness and uh and joyfulness and i guess you know, there is happiness that we experience when we, I don't know, eat chocolate cake or a nice lemon meringue or whatever it might be, and it sort of makes us happy or we're having a happy sort of moment in our life. But there is another kind of happiness that we experience in our life, and, and it's a happiness that comes from doing things that give us meaning and purpose. You know, that, uh, that doing things that we, that might be difficult, but that we know are worthwhile you know, there's a happiness that comes for people who, for instance, serve in soup kitchens for the homeless and the poor. You know, know, at the moment when they're serving out, you know, the soup, often they might be being abused or, you know, dealing with difficult circumstances. It's not this sort of experience that they would say necessarily makes them feel happy or joyful in the moment. But there is another happiness that comes from doing something that is meaningful and worthwhile with their lives. And so um, certainly I think that, yeah, children can be Challenging, they can be difficult. Um, but what I think most couples find if they're able to work as a team and, and focus on being a team, that uh that actually by doing that and embarking on the the job of raising new people into this world and helping them to become responsible citizens does bring them a different kind of a joy. It's a much deeper form of joy that comes from doing something that's really worthwhile. But I think in that sense, you know, the number one predictor of the success of any sort of um, family is the, the relationship upon which it's based you know that it's not just about what we're doing with our children but it's about who we are as a couple in relationship to our children as well and in a relationship to one another you know if we're working on having a strong healthy couple relationship then we have more resources available to be the kinds of parents that we long to be for our children as well
0: yeah no so true I mean, children do you bring you great joy? They've certainly brought me great joy, mm. um, and they are wonderful. Despite the, uh, and you do you forget about the bad times? But you do. I, I, don't, I don't remember. Oh yeah, it's too long ago for me. But uh, you know, pushing Tom in the pram at three in the morning because he wouldn't sleep, and then going to work at five thirty. Uh huh. It's just dreadful stuff. But yeah, I've almost forgotten it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's it was tough at the beginning, and I sort of think. But
1: there is a sort of, uh, I don't know, there's something that uh, there is a sense of self-worth that comes from leaning into doing something that is really difficult and persevering through it and seeing it through to the end. I think that does do something for our sense of uh, dignity and our sense of self-worth. And uh, absolutely, parenting can be difficult. It can be really challenging, but it's worth
0: leaning into the challenge. Very, very true. So Derek, in recapping some of the main points from Parenting Tips... Yeah, look, I guess, you know, that there is no
1: perfect way to parent, you know, that we're all going to make mistakes. And in a funny way, that's the way God intended it. You know, I think God, uh, Karen has this beautiful wisdom, my wife, she says, God didn't, my imperfections are actually my children's blessings. Because if I was enough, if I had all the answers, if I did everything perfectly, our children wouldn't need God. And I wouldn't need God either. You know, that actually it's, uh, that God will use our imperfection to grow and develop our children in the ways that he wants us to. However, there are some things that can really help and remembering that connectedness in our families is really important. Remembering that flexibility and having an amount of flexibility is important for building a healthy family and, you know, recognizing that discipline is normal. It's it's a, a tough part of parenting, but if we can focus on the kinds of virtues that we want to build in our families and we can focus on the relationships and, uh, and put those before all other things, um, you know, certainly we're on the right track to building healthy, fulfilling, meaningful relationships for our families and our children and setting the pathway and the modelling for them to be able to have their own healthy families in the future.
0: No, absolutely right. Hopefully, Derek, we haven't put any couples off uh, from having children because uh, they are wonderful, <laughs> wonderful uh, uh, acquisitions for any family, if I can put it that way. Oh, they're amazing.
1: I wouldn't, we wouldn't uh, swap it for the world. It's, uh, we have a wild, crazy family with our eight
0: children, but it is wild and crazy and fun. Absolutely right. Derek, thank you very much.
1: You're welcome, David. Thank you.